My name is Stephen. I'm so blessed and honored to be the pastor here. It is a joy to know the Lord with you, to see all that he's doing, and to follow Jesus together. It's a great thing, isn't it? We've been in a series now. We just installed some new deacons. They're already doing great work with urgency. And I'm, I so appreciate, Jeff, all that you're doing and getting us moving forward with our new members things, and it's wonderful. Um, we're excited about that. And in the heart of having those new deacons come on board, we've also been taking a moment to talk through lots of different things. Um, let me just make a quick aside, by the way, about the lights suddenly dimming. Um, something happened in the storm, and our lights came on randomly. We got security alerts and all kind of weird things. So that was not a planned dim. So if suddenly you're like, what's going on here? Anyway, here we are. The Lord's good. He's with us, lights or no lights. We'll be all right. Um, but we've been taking a moment to look at how, how does the church build? How do we do leadership? What does that mean? How does God grow us? And how do we grow together? And what does that look like in the Lord's, sometimes we use the word economy. Um, that's not economy like dollars and cents, but that's the Lord's way of doing things amongst his people. How, how does that happen? What does that look like? And so we've looked the last couple of weeks at deacons themselves and what they do in the church and how they promote unity and how they are offices that are gifted by God to speak into our lives and to lead us by example as we do not just good works, but as we follow Jesus better and we actually demonstrate through our lives what the law of God looks like. You know, maybe this morning was a little bit different from some of our traditions and some of our ways of doing things, of actually taking time to sort of stop and pray together. You know, it's funny when you open up the meeting to each other actually having participation, you never fully know what you're going to get, right? But God's there, and the Lord does good things. If the body doesn't grow together, it will wither and die. Here's how I know that. Have you ever had a hangnail? Have you ever had a hangnail? They're the worst, right? But isn't it funny that that little hangnail, does it affect your life? Absolutely. You're probably not going to die from it. But boy, every part of your body is fixated on the hangnail that you have. Or a paper cut. Man, paper cut. Worst. Or you stub a toe and you're like, it's broken. I know it's broken. Your whole everything suddenly is fixated on that toe that's hurt. Isn't it funny how small parts of the body, and God describes our church as a body together, where every ligament is joined and tendons are joined and we're joined together to demonstrate Christ. And if one toe is hurting, the whole body is affected. But a lot of times we go through things kind of just pretending. So you put on big shoes so nobody knows. And the reality is in church, it's not supposed to be that way. Whether you are a very prominent member, and I'm talking in the body, like everybody sees your hands, right? Other parts of my body as I stand before you now are covered. Nobody sees my toes right now because they're in these shoes. And yet, the toes are important. So whatever part of the body you are, whether people see or don't see, we need to take time to make sure that we are rightly coming before God together that the whole body can celebrate and sometimes mourn and in all things come to Jesus. In all things come to Jesus, because that's what we do. And so why do we take a minute to stop and pray? And why isn't it that David doesn't, you know, have everybody come up here and why don't they lay on the table or something and we can have, you know, some kind of crazy ceremony and maybe if we hung something from the ceiling. We're just coming to Jesus. But I'm telling you that because if you feel 
the Lord on you, know that he is with you. Know that he hears his people's prayers. My prayer is not better than your prayer. God hears his people's prayers. So if another member of the body comes alongside you and prays like this morning, don't suddenly go home and let the devil, because I know him. He's a jerk. And he always does the same stuff. And he's going to go, well, the good prayers didn't pray for me. That's what he'll say. Mark my words. Tonight, 9 o'clock at night, you're going to be like, who was it that prayed for me? Because that's what he, hey, who prayed for you? You think they're really good at it? You think the Lord hears their prayers? You're still where you are. No, you're not. Because the Lord has heard their prayers, heard your prayers. He loves you, and he has brought you to himself. You're seated with him in heavenly places. It's totally different, isn't it? None of this is in my notes, by the way. But this is, this is life. This is what we do together. And then also we have times when things go really weird. And here's the temptation in our culture now. When something goes weird, don't let anybody know. you got to look perfect. Because that's what social media tells you, right? That's how our culture has shifted into that. If you don't look together, if you're not dressed for success, you're not going to have success. But the reality is in the body, God's called us to be ourselves and truthful. Don't lie to one another. And instead, when it's midnight and we're tempted and something happens and you're in a weak moment and things are bad, where do we go? Social media, where everybody's fake. Then you feel worse. But that's true. And you compare yourself with unending competition of perfection. I saw a video the other day of um, these social media influencer people. You know what that means? I'm getting old, guys. I watched a movie the other day of somebody who graduated, like the, the parent figure was graduating in my high school class. So I was like, oh, I'm there now. OK, anyway. Yeah, you get cast for those roles, you know. Anyway, so uh, social media, I saw this video and these influencer people who are people with lots of followers, and they get money from different corporations to basically they are the ad. So they use a product or do whatever or pitch something, and they get paid because they have lots of followers. And so if they endorse something, like these brown chairs are the best chairs ever. You got to have these brown chairs are the best. And then that's the commercial now. And so people are putting money into those kind of things. And this particular young lady, she's a beautiful young lady, um, but she had the weirdest, her makeup was, she looked like a clown. She, I mean, it was crazy. Like all the stuff, it was wild. And what she was doing was, she had a filter on the camera that te technologically, the camera was making her look more beautiful than she was. And so she was using this weird makeup because it would pick up the different things to put a digital face over her face to make her look better. Does that make sense? The young people are like, yeah, we know exactly what that is. Right? The old people are like, huh? Like, I'm in the huh now. Here's my point. Can you compete with that? You can't compete with that. And that's, that's now fuel for the enemy against you and everything. How can you compete with that? You can't. So what does the body do? We are real with each other. And you pick up the phone, and instead of going on social media to compete with people, you call a sister or a brother. Sister, call a sister. Brother, call a brother. Especially at midnight. Don't call the other one. And say, hey, I'm in a weak moment. Will you pray with me? Will you stand with me? How, what does God do in those weak moments? Somebody prays for you. 
when you feel better. I'm going to tell you today, we heard a, a great prophetic word from Mike, rooted in Scripture. And it was that the Lord is with us in trials. He has not forgotten you. More than that, he's made you a conqueror because he's the conqueror. He has not forgotten you. Then Sarah sang a song to you. What was that? The Bible tells us when we come together, we should come together with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and testimonies and remembering him and the word. This is how we build each other up. And so out of this response of how God builds the church, this was unplanned, by the way. Sarah busted out with a song, and everybody wanted to sing along, but nobody knew it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I should know this one, right? But instead, think about the song for a second. If it's, let's say you're alone on your birthday. You're alone on your birthday, and you go to Olive Garden, because you don't live in town with your family. You don't just moved there. You don't have any buddies yet. You go to Olive Garden. You're on business, whatever. You're out of town. And you get there, and the server finds out it's your birthday somehow. And they sing to you. And what happens? A crummy meal alone suddenly got a little better. Doesn't it? And so what does the Lord do? Did you know the Bible says that God himself sings over his people? He sings over us. So if God does that, don't you think the Holy Spirit would cause somebody in the body to sing a song of response, of, of uplifting, of something? And if you're a stubbed toe, man, suddenly you're like, wow, Olive Garden's the best. Because God's doing something. And who does he use? Us. He uses us to do it. Does he use video? Sometimes. Does he use lasers? Maybe occasionally. I don't know. Not really. Does he use fog machines? Sometimes. Those things are cool. We could have them in here. They'd be fun. As long as they're not the thing. Because the one priority is Jesus. And sometimes the lights or sometimes the chairs or sometimes the whatever can take away from him. And you can leave feeling entertained. Or you can leave feeling built up. Does the stub toe just heal? Sometimes. A lot of times it's still stubbed. But your body's stronger. This is what happens. That's, isn't it funny how the Lord just simple things. You're a body. I'm the head, you're the body. Wherever he goes, we'll follow. Amen to that? Wow, that's good. So what happened today? Biblically, what happened today is the Holy Spirit spoke a song over us after he brought a word. And I'm saying him. We always, the Bible tells us, whenever a word, anything is brought, test it by scripture. Is everything we heard today scriptural? Does it line up with what God has already said? Yes. And so we can say, Lord, that's from you. Thank you that you used Mike, our brother, to build us up. Thank you that then you used our sister Sarah. She's, she's communicating this. I remember, I hear what you're saying to me. I'm not going to throw a tantrum on my birthday. Instead, I'm going to receive what you have for me. It's, isn't that, that's different, isn't it? You know, it's, it's our expectation all the time. All the time. Lord, is today the day? You're going to heal somebody today? Just see. Raise somebody from the dead, that would be wild. That would be awesome, let's do it. Or repair relationships. Hurts from long ago suddenly start to heal up. The Lord's touch on things maybe 10, 12, 15, 20, 40 years old. It's good, isn't it? 
We have a testimony today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to welcome Gwen up. Gwen, do you mind coming up? Gwen's going to share a testimony with us, and then we're going to dive into the word in 1 Peter, if you want to turn in your Bible to 1 Peter. Hi, Gwen. Welcome. Gwen brought us part one of the testimony. Come on up. Gwen brought us part one of the testimony a while ago, a couple weeks ago, four weeks ago. Maybe a little longer. I have no concept of time. And this is going to be part two of the testimony to build us up and to see all the things that the Lord is doing. Can we just give Gwen a round of applause? I love you. We're for you. You're a blessing to us. This testimony is uh, in regards to my aunt, um, regarding my aunt who is like a mother to me. Um, The same aunt that I shared about in the last testimony that I shared a couple months ago, whenever it was. And um, my aunt, as good a woman as she was by all human standards, was also just as, just as stubborn and prideful. And um, when I gave my life to the Lord, the first person at the top of my list that I wanted to see come to Christ more than anyone else was my aunt. And so I would pray for her regularly. And whenever I talked with her, I would try to share Jesus with her, but there was always a brick wall. She would always say, that's my business. Don't go there. Um, Don't preach to me. You know, I don't like it when you preach to me. The the wall was always there. But um, no matter what, I never stopped praying. And then the time came when she was about 91 that the Lord was calling her home, and she went into hospice care. And while she was in hospice care, uh, my cousin, the only one of her three grown children that is also saved, uh, tried sharing the Lord with her again on her deathbed, so to speak. And in the end, she said, Mom, so all you have to do is tell Jesus you're sorry for your sins. And my aunt's response, unfortunately, was, I'm not sorry for my sins. And my cousin was devastated, and she just thought to herself, oh, Lord, I hope that's just the dementia talking. And so a few days later, my aunt went, if I can get my aunt went into a coma. And um, days went by, and uh, while she was in this coma for weeks, then finally, one by one, her organs began to shut down until every single organ shut down except her heart. And her heart not only continued beating, but it continued beating strongly. And the doctor and all of the um, the nurses and the people who cared for her said they had never seen anything like it before, where all the other organs had shut down, and, and yet the heart continues to beat, not only beat, but beat strongly. They said she had the strongest heart they had ever seen. And this went on for days. And um, they couldn't understand what was keeping her. And finally, the doctor recommended to her children that they go one by one and tell her, it's okay, you can go home to be with the Lord, be released, we'll be fine. And so one by one, that's what they did. But still, her heart continued to beat strongly, and she still kept hanging in there until even her skin was totally gray. So to the seeing eye, she looked as though she had already passed, and every organ shut down but her heart. And then finally the day came and she breathed her last breath. And my cousin, the one that saved, who shared Jesus with her, was lamenting because, of course, she said, 
I, I don't know where she is now, and she was fearing the worst. And so we were talking about that, and I told her, I said, you know, I've tried sharing with your mom as well. And I said, um, and when all else failed, I just kept on praying. And I said, and, and finally, the last several years, when I thought she just might not respond to me, but maybe someone else, I just kept praying. And I told my cousin, and I changed my prayer the last several years. And it didn't hit me, it didn't dawn on me until the words came out of my mouth. And I said to my cousin, for the last several years, I've been praying that God would not allow her to pass on from this earth until she was able to pass on into his kingdom. And it hit me, and at the same time she said, that's it, that's it. The Lord was working in her. That's what was keeping her here. He was working in her. He was answering your prayer. So I just wanted to share that with you to say that if you have loved ones who you long to see come to the Lord, don't ever give up on them. Don't ever stop praying. Even if all else fails, keep on praying because God hears and answers our prayers. Thank you. Thank you, Blessings to you. Amen. The Lord is faithful. We have a great king. The Bible says that the only way for salvation, the only way to be at peace with God is through Jesus. How do you do that? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, then you'll be saved. And we know Jesus. Now, none of us know Gwen's aunt, other than Gwen, of course. None of us know Gwen's aunt. But we know a merciful God, don't we? And we can trust him that he's good. Because punishment is real. And also, God's mercy is real. And so let's just pray. Let's pray for Gwen and her family. Let's pray right now. Lord, thank you that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you are merciful. Father, I pray, Lord, and we thank you for speaking to Gwen and, Lord, for this testimony she could share with us today. Father, we ask you that this would be just the first part. That, Lord, while they're all speaking, we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that every member of Gwen's family, Lord, that every cousin, that every brother and sister, that, that every member would know your grace. Lord, let them know in their heart that you are raised from the dead. Lord, let them confess with, your, with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord now so that Gwen can see the fruit of all of her prayers. Lord, not just with her aunt, but Lord, with everyone in the land of the living, Father. We ask you that today, in this day, that they would know you, that they would see you, Father, that you would speak to their hearts, Father, that you would open their eyes, and that, Lord, that every trust of the family would be on you. Father, thank you that you are good, and thank you that you are faithful, and thank you for your gospel. That's the power that you have given us unto salvation. It's from you. There's no other name by which we might be saved except for Jesus. It's only his death and resurrection. It's only his making a way for us that gives us a way to you. So because you are the way, the truth, and the life, I pray, Father, that today every member of the family would know the way. Every member of the family would know the truth. And every of the member of the family would come into your life knowing Jesus. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to, if you please turn your Bible with me to 1 Peter. We are going to look at 
how Peter tells us that the church grows. Last week, we looked at Paul speaking in the book of Ephesus, or of an Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus. And we're going to find that this week, Paul uses some similar kind of language. So not to labor our time too much, but if you want to go back to, if you missed last week on Ephesians chapter 4, you'll be able to see some of those similarities. This week, though, as we start looking into what 1 Peter says, we're going to see that Peter is telling us uh, in a grander scope what God is doing. So he's going to not break down exactly how the church grows. You know, the Lord's funny sometimes in that he doesn't give us always specifics like a textbook. The Lord likes to speak through stories, not always through like textbook kind of definition things. Do this and this will happen. God doesn't always do that. He often gives us the grand picture. Uh, before we start reading, I want to just give you a little, uh, a little thing to think about is how... Do we use the word of God and words to build each other up? And what does that look like for God to apply his word to us, which is good? All right, so 1 Peter, we're going to start reading. Let's start reading in verse 22. Chapter 1, sorry. Chapter 1, verse 22. Chapter 1, verse 22. Now, up to this point, Peter is saying that we have been called to a great hope in Christ because of his death and resurrection, that we put our faith in him. That as he rose, will rise. He's also called us, the Lord has called us to be holy. He said, as I am holy, you must be holy. And so knowing his graciousness on us, that he didn't withhold his son, but he ransomed, he paid his son like a ransom to save us and bring us into the kingdom. Because of the great price with which he paid to save us, we should be holy as well. Holy means set apart. Holy means without sin. Holy means... Uh, set aside for specific purpose. So let's start reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Peter says this, Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame." So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, 
but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, so beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Then he goes on. What's the very next sentence in chapter, in verse 13? Chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. He talks about the emperor and governors, all these kind of things. I'm pointing that out because in the word of God, it's interesting how we have sometimes a great principle, a great idea that's shared with us, a great foundational concept by which we need to live. That foundational concept is that the Lord has made you into his own people for a purpose. That Jesus Christ, who came, he lived a perfect life. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's God forever who became a man for us, fully man, fully God. In his perfection of living, he was due no punishment. Instead, he took our punishment upon himself, died a traitor's death on the cross for us, was punished for our iniquity, died three days later, he rose again. And when he did, he defeated death and he defeated sin. The Bible says he's now the cornerstone of all that God is building. And then he describes you and me, us together as living stones being built together into a spiritual dwelling place for God. Why is that? Because God's plan all along is to be with his people. That he can commune with us. We call that communion. It's like when you eat something, it becomes part of you. He wants to be close. He wants to commune with us. He wants to be with us. And he had to get rid of this problem of sin in order to do that. And now that that has been dealt with, he is dwelling amongst his people, and Jesus is the cornerstone, but he's building us into something. We're not just kind of flittering around. A lot of times we have this idea that we are just independently saved. And God saved me, and I'm good, and I'm good with Jesus, and so there we go, and now we're fine. But the reality is he saved us and then put us as a living stone into a network of other stones to make one dwelling together. He wants the dwelling. Understand, he wants you. It's for the joy set before him, which is you, that he endured the cross. He loves you. He loves his people. And also he loves us together. And he wants us to be together. So much so, have you ever noticed that when stones get placed somewhere, they are next to those stones for the life of the building? Now, people move. Stuff happens. I'm not saying if you're part of the church, you've got to live here forever and we're there. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is... God's building plan is not a temporary tent structure that's meant to be torn apart and ripped down and changed over time. You know, Americans, we build like that sometimes. We build structures. I, I'm replacing the sewage line in our house right now that was made to last hopefully 50 years, and it made it 57, and it's done. And so then it's a very difficult process to rip up all the pipes and redo it. It's not fun. But we didn't think this will last forever. You know the Roman sewage system is still going in some areas? Thousands of years? This is a different way of building. It's a different thought. Look at a lot of neighborhoods around. Isn't it funny how neighborhoods, sometimes houses start to get torn down after a while, and then new ones are built up with newer technology? We love the technology. We don't kind of keep stuff built to last forever. Well, God's building a structure that's going to last forever. Forever. Again, you can move away and we're still friends. Praise God. 
I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about, though, is integration into the people of God, working together, seeing him, serving Jesus. It's a lifelong thing that we do in the church broadly and also sometimes in the local church, sometimes for seasons, because who's the one that directs everything we do? It's Jesus. So he can put stones wherever he wants to put them. The point, though, is that he's building something with us and with us together that's better together than it is separate. Amen to that? These are big concepts. Words are important, aren't they? When I was in college, I was a freshman in college, and I lived in a dorm called Schultze. That was the name of the dorm. And our sister dorm was called Edmonds. And uh, the dorms were all like, like L-shaped or V-shaped. You know, one side was the girls, one side was the guys. That's your dorm. So Schultze Ed Edwards, Edmonds, Edwards. Schultze Edwards was it. And so uh, they decided at the very beginning of the year we were going to have a fun activity and the RAs got together, whatever. And so I was on first floor Schultze and we took first floor Edwards out on a date. Everybody, we all went together to go play putt-putt. It was called a floor date. So everybody on the floor goes, get to know each other. Anybody ever done something like that? No? Okay, well. Putt-putt, <laughs> great time. So there were like, I don't know, like 100 people. It's like 50 a floor, something like that. And so we're all there together. And I will never forget, hole one, I walk up and it's me and like two other guys and then these three girls from the other, from the other side of the dorm. And we come up and I'm, I'm me. And if you've met me, usually my first question is, how are you doing? How are you? Everything going well? Nice to meet you? Something like that. And so I walked up, and the girls, I don't remember the other two. The one I remember, her name was Miranda. That was her name, because like Miranda writes, so it's in my head. And I walked up, and I shook her hand. I said, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Steve. How's your day going? Here's what she said to me. That's a stupid question. I went, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Are, is everything OK? You'll find out. This is whole one. I just met this girl. It's the second day of school. What's happening? And I was like, oh, uh, uh, would you like to go first? We'll see. Like, what? And, I, and I, walked, I remember walking up to one of the other guys. Norman was his name. I was like, Norm, what did, help, did I, what happened? Am I okay? What, did I do something? What is happening? He goes, I don't know, but I'm glad it's you and not me. And I was like, thanks a lot, dude. The whole, listen, I tried, I tried to leave our group 50 times. I could not. I don't know what happened to Miranda. And I remember seeing her, and every time I saw her, I went, hi, Miranda. And every time, she was like, hmm. I, I must have looked like someone she hated. I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. She could have been in witness protection. Maybe that was it. Maybe she was fleeing the mob, and she heard my last name is Ottolini, and she was like, Ottolini? Well, nope. <laughs> Stupid question. Like, avoid this guy. I don't know. It was so strange. So strange. Needless to say, floor date did not go on another one. Did not. I paid for her, too. We paid for all the girls. Oh, man, anyway. And Norm had no money, so I paid for everybody. Anyway, it's fine. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> Listen, words have power, though, don't they? They are powerful. Especially you're meeting somebody for the first time. And the reality is, especially as you're meeting somebody for the first time, there's vulnerability involved, isn't there? I'm, I'm, we're, it's day two. We're on the floor date. I'm sure 
Maybe we were supposed to bring, bring flowers, I don't know. I don't know, but I did not meet this girl's expectation somehow, and clearly that was weird. But the Lord, his word never fails. We read here in scripture, the grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Did you know that means that the word of the Lord is stronger than bitterness? Stronger than bad memories? Stronger than creation? In fact, he created just by speaking? The word of the Lord never returns to him without completing the task for which it was said. As an image bearer, you have been given this faculty that other creatures try to parrot. See what I did there? Try to parrot and can never actually do. Because God saw fit to make you as an image bearer one who can speak like he speaks. And there's life in speaking. There's also death in speaking. You know, the whole book of James says, now, brothers and sisters, now that we are saved and we know God and he's building us into this church together, tame your tongue. Because that's the one thing. It's an open grave or it can be a source of life. And so the tongue is important. Words are important. And what I want to say to you is, God has spoken a word over you. What has he said? He has said that you are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Did you know that is your job description that was spoken? Have you ever worked in a job where the job description is fluid? You know what I'm talking about? One day you're the custodian, the next day you're the accountant, the next day you're the IT guy. Like everything changes, you have no idea what it is. God's job description is not fluid because if he speaks it, this is the same speaking that made you and me, that made creation out of nothing. And when God speaks it, it will happen. When the Lord speaks words, they are absolutely life. And so what did the Lord speak over us? You are to be a holy priesthood. You know, the priesthood has three major functions. The first function is to intercede for the people. That means pray for people. Priesthood prays for people. The second thing that they do is they show people how to come to God and they bring people to God. Did you know that's one of your primary functions as a Christian and a member of the church? Bring people to Jesus. What's interesting there is that doesn't mean you get to solve other problems. It means you take them to the source that solves other problems. And sometimes you can participate. Sometimes we open our pocketbook or make a meal or help or give an encouraging word or help somebody move. That's the worst. <laughs> but we do it because we love each other, right? So you get to do real things in service. But also, we bring people to Jesus. This is why at midnight, if you call somebody, they can have powerful words over you that are a prayer. That's encouragement to bring you to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, he's the one that changes midnight situations. The priesthood also, not only do they intercede, not only do they bring people to God, but they also instruct people in what God has said. That's their third function. They instruct people in what God has said. That means that the expectation here that God has said is that we are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood who will intercede who will bring people to Jesus, who will instruct others, the world, everyone around us, into what God says and how they're supposed to live for him. 
This is why many times we find ourselves stuck in jobs that have fluid job descriptions. This is why sometimes we find ourselves stuck in places where we are not always happy that the Lord put us there. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Why did you give me this neighbor? Why did you give me this coworker? Why did you give me whatever? And the Lord often says, because you're supposed to be instructive to them through your life, through knowing the word, through speaking what he has said. These are good things, aren't they? And what do we do? Together we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12 tells us there's really only one spiritual sacrifice that's acceptable. And it's you coming before him and saying, Lord, I am a living sacrifice for you. And what happens? Sometimes we get weird and things get funny in our life. The older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing that sin at its core is selfishness. And we get selfish. And all of a sudden, we're starting to measure things based on how much we think God loves us by what he gives us. And if it's not comfortable and good, he must not love us. And all of a sudden, we get weird in our thinking and weird in what we do. And the Bible says we are supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And the only one is your whole life, all of you, everything. And your family, your life, your neighbors, everybody. Why? Because he's the creator because he's the sustainer, because he's the champion savior. He's worthy of everybody. And so we bring everybody to him. And what does he do? He heals us. He's so kind. He's so good. But we get dissuaded and weird and everything. And then what does God use? He uses the body to recalibrate us. That then we get our thinking clear. This is why at the table, David said today, we're going to be faithful to scripture and examine ourselves. If you have sin holding you in any way, Thought, word, or deed. And what happens? The Holy Spirit reminds us, doesn't he? I'll tell you from this view, it is so funny every time we say we're going to examine ourselves and half the people in the room go, and me too. I just don't show it. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit's faithful. That the word of God will not come back to him without having powerful things done. And we're supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices. And now that's you and you've let something else get in the way. And the Lord is faithful to say, we are going to get that rooted out for sure. Because I want you pure, holy. You're my priest. You're my family. You're part of the body. This is what God says to us. And then we say, Lord, forgive me that I was stupid. A lot of times, right? This is what I pray. I'm just being honest. Lord, forgive me. And then what does he do? He gives us his body that was broken for us. And we get to eat it. Now it's... It's good. It's life to us. Why? Because we're communing with him and one another. And we're reminding each other. And we come here to get sharpened and get better. And suddenly the mortar around us is stronger. And then a, a song comes from the front and it builds us up. And we hear what Mike said. And now at midnight, when we feel weak, yes, we reach out. Also, the Lord reminds us. Because that jerk, the devil, he tries real hard. But man, the Holy Spirit's word does not come back void. Whatever he says is accomplished. And God is so faithful that not just through this physical mean, but through means, but through the word, through the, the worship, through the encounters together, the Holy Spirit ministers to you. Why? Because you are a spiritual sacrifice meant to give him your everything. It's good, isn't it? What's the function of church? What do we do? What's God doing? 
He's building us together into a spiritual dwelling because he wants to be with you. He's using everybody, you included, as a priest amongst his family to intercede for each other, to bring each other to Jesus, and to teach each other the way. He also will remind us that at the end of the day, he is our Lord, and we bring ourselves to him. And anytime we get ever out of calibration, the Lord brings us back. He uses the body to do it. He uses his word to do it. It's good, isn't it? Why should you invite people to church? Because God does things here in that vein that's different than the office place. Can God use the office place? Yes. But God does things amongst his people that's different. And the goal is when people see it, they go, wow, that's the Lord. And they see it in our care for one another and in functioning the way he's called us to according to his word as priests, as those who are bringing acceptable sacrifices to him. So what does that mean for you? It means be his. Be his. You belong to him in everything. If you don't know him and you don't belong to him, let today be the day you come to him through the gospel and say, Lord, forgive me. I need you. I have no righteousness on my own, but Lord, through you, Lord, I know that you can change my life. Trust in him for everything and be his. Know that his word never fails and that he has spoken a word over you to make you a priest, to make you acceptable, to build you with his people and to do great things through you. And so what should you do? Expect that God will use you for other people, for neighbors. He'll use you on a Sunday morning. He's going to use you in church. He's going to use you outside of church. Expect him to be faithful to his word because it never changes. Amen. Amen. Will you stand? I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord, that you're good. Stand up, Jojo. Lord, thank you for your grace upon us. Lord, thank you that you sent your son to save us. He truly is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, thank you that you are building us into a spiritual house for yourself. Lord, thank you that you've made us living stones built on top of Christ, that we would be yours. Help make it real in our lives in every way. Help us to see your word tangibly become real in everything that you do. Lord, we confess we are yours. So, Lord, help us. Help us to walk out all that you've called us to. Lord, help us to know your rule and to know that your word never fails. Help us to know it in the core of who we are, that we can do good things. And Lord, help us in our expectation to expect, Father, as we go out, that you will use us. Thank you, Lord, for everyone here. I pray, Father, that they would know, that they would know the call that you have put on their life, that they would know Jesus who reigns over them in all things, and that they would know the power of the Holy Spirit who applies this word to our life. Thank you, Lord. We are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We're dismissed. Thank you so much. Blessings to you all.